Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and this is a weekly discussion about the many and varied pilgrimages culminating in Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain, where we're told the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James lie in a crypt beneath the town's cathedral. The Camino de Santiago, and in particular what's called the French Way, are regarded as spiritual and mystical paths. Pilgrims from all over the world make the journeys each year, and information abounds to help the pilgrim prepare for the physical aspects of their pilgrimage, what to wear, how to get there, what to carry. But little attention is paid to the mental, emotional and spiritual elements that make the Camino or any other sacred walk a pilgrimage rather than a hike. Well, my guest this week wants to change all that. Moni Dejeji is from Ottawa in Canada, and Moni's just released a book, Walking Alone, A Pilgrim's Guide to the Inner Journey. She's on the line from Canada. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hello, Dan. It's so lovely to be with you. It's so great to talk to you too. You know what? I'm going to start a little left field. I've walked two Caminos, and on both occasions, I walked with Canadians. And I found they are incredibly open to spirituality and, if you like, the deeper mystical aspect of the pilgrimage. Why is that, do you think? Well, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I, um, I do believe that there is a quest going on um, just generally, no matter who I speak to. And most of the people that I speak to tend to be obviously Canadian uh, because of where I'm living. But I feel it kind of as a general um, shift that is happening um, among people who are seeking to make a connection with something that is just greater than what is happening in the physical world, what you can see, touch, hear, and smell. It's just a general feeling that is calling people to something that is greater, something that gives their life perhaps more meaning, especially in times that seem very uncertain, when um, everything that we hold dear and sacred and every structure around us that promised us security and um, immo- immobility, if you want to call it that, um, is just collapsing around us. And so the the measures that we use to define success and the measures that we use to define our place in the world are just shifting. And I find that people are going on pilgrimages like the Camino and maybe perhaps not consciously at first, but they are beginning to open themselves up to what is it that I can do with my life that has a meaning and a purpose that is that allows me to bring perhaps my own greatest gifts into the world and to live a more active spirituality, however that spirituality is defined. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's interesting because when you meet people who perhaps uh, stepped onto the Camino as a kind of holiday, um, mm. perhaps, you know, just to get away from it all in a sense, they found themselves kind of opening, didn't they? And they find that they find this sort of, I suppose, awakening almost. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I think even the just the tourists. Let's call them just the tourists who go on the path because it's a vacation. They love the food, the wine, the culture, all that Spain has to offer as well. I think when you're walking on a path that has been touched and walked by 
for millennia by hundreds of thousands, by millions of pilgrims, individuals who are, who have been walking on that kind of a, of a spiritual quest. I don't, I think you can't help but be touched by that magical, un, inexplainable thing that happens to you, that reaches right into your heart and that goes right past the mind. I really think it's, it's a feeling and pilgrims can't explain how is it that they are so affected by this pilgrimages, even though they're not perhaps uh, individuals who are normally, shall we call, spiritual. Um, they find themselves weeping, sitting in a, you know, in a church or listening to a Catholic sermon or a delivery of any kind of a sermon that they hadn't heard in a long time, and they're touched by it. So there is, I believe, a special energy, a special magic that is left by the faith and the beliefs and the hopes of all the pilgrims that have walked before us. So yeah, we're going to be touched by it. Yeah, that's for sure. So let's go back to the start then, Moni. Where did you first hear about the Camino? Do you remember? Actually, I do remember. Um, it was back in late, I would say, 1990, 1998, 1999. And I was going through a, a, per, a bit of a kind of a personal shift myself. I was thinking about quitting my job. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. And I remember being in the, in the bookstore one day and seeing this book. And all I saw on the cover was this woman. It was like a profile of a woman with a backpack, with a walking stick and a hat. And as soon as I saw that image, I thought, that's me. I just, I saw myself <laughs> right there. How lovely. And I just, it was actually, it was Shirley MacLaine's book. It was the book of by Shirley MacLaine called The Camino. It was the only book on pilgrimages back then. Um, and I inhaled that book and it just so resonated with me. And I just knew that one day I would do it. I didn't know how or when, but I knew that I would. And eventually I, I quit my job. I left everything behind. And I, I embarked on that quest. Yeah, you walked at the 800-kilometer Camino Frances and then 5,000 kilometers from Rome to Jerusalem. That journey lasted yeah. 13 months. So tell us about that. Well, you know, that, was, um, that pilgrimage was a bit of a, it was a special calling, shall we say. Um, when I was walking the Camino, I was walking by myself. And this was back, the first time I walked the Camino was in 2000. And I really was asking for guidance and direction. I, I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't want to go back to the corporate IT world. Um, as lucrative as it was, I just felt I wanted something. I wanted something else. And when I was walking on the Camino one day, I heard some pilgrims speaking and they were saying that there are three paths of initiation or paths towards self-knowing that each pilgrim is invited to walk if they want to get to this place of knowing who they are. And the, the Camino, the path I was walking, was called the Way of the Sword. And it's the place where you battle your fears and, and you find your courage. And there's another path that leads to Rome. And that path is called the Way of Love, where you learn the meaning of love in all of its dimensions, and not just relationships, but divine as well. And then there is a path that leads to Jerusalem. And that path is called the Way of the Soul. And it's the, the journey through which you connect with that highest part of yourself and get closer to what it is that you are here to do with your life that has purpose. And it was that path. As soon as I heard the way of the soul, I thought, that's it. I'm going to walk it. That's all. <laughs> I'm going to walk the way of the soul to Jerusalem. I'm not going to walk to Rome because I was finishing the Camino, but I, I thought I will 
start in Rome, which is the destination of the way of the heart. And that was really, that was what I, it, there was no more thought beyond that. I'm going to start in Rome, I'm going to walk to Jerusalem. Um, I started, as soon as I finished my Camino, I started to research online to see if there were any paths and quickly learned there is no path. There is no, it's nothing like the Camino. There are no yellow arrows. Yeah. There are no Albert this day. And it's nothing like that. It was going to be pretty much walking every day along the side of the road and then figuring things out every day as as I walked. And I, I had planned to walk alone because I really felt it a, a personal calling. Um, but when I arrived in Finisterre, um, I met a Spanish pilgrim um, who had also just finished walking his Camino. His name is Alberto. And uh, when I told him about my walk through an interpreter, because he didn't speak English and I didn't speak Spanish, um, he thought, well, you know, that's really great and good luck to you. And uh, that was it. Uh, but then three months later, as I was making my way to begin walking um, from Rome, our paths crossed again. And this time he, he felt the same calling towards the unknown um, that I did, the promise that this way of the soul pro uh, promised, it, it called to him as well. And so I, I began alone. Uh, I walked for about two weeks by myself. And then Alberto joined me. And together we tried to figure out how we would walk together uh, to get to Jerusalem. And you're still with him today, aren't you? Sorry? You're still with Alberto today, aren't you? Yeah. Well, the pilgrim, uh, the pilgrim that I met, uh, who was a real, was a stranger to me, really. We didn't know each other. Uh, obviously, we were living very intense experiences every day. So um, we became eventually our relationship shifted after six months of walking together. It was in Greece, sunny Greece, uh, springtime, um, and our relationship became romantic. And today we um, we continue walking metaphorically. You know, we are still pilgrims on this uh, on this path we call life, which is the greatest yeah. path and beyond. Um, we are married and we have a daughter, and we continue to try to live uh, those, the pilgrim principles and values that we believe in our everyday lives. And you, uh, that's a great story. But you say in the many presentations you've done over the years, one of the consistent themes that arises is how to walk alone, not mm -hmm. only on pilgrimage, but in life. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, um, the conversations that I have with individuals, whether they are pilgrims, who are thinking about going to walk on the Camino, or whether they're just individuals who come to me and we are, they're just speaking and they're just not sure about which way to go in their life. The consistent theme is one of, gee, I would love to be able to do all the things that you've done, or gee, I would love to be able to quit my job and go do something that I love, or God, I'm so unhappy here, but I just wish I, I, I could just leave everything behind and really go follow my heart. And the theme that it's all tied to the same idea of having the fear of walking alone or taking a step towards that which you most are passionate about. And for pilgrims who are on the Camino, who are thinking of walking on the Camino, walking alone is a very fearful thought. The idea of being alone, whether it's a man or a woman. Um, and, and I'm not going to say it's just it's only women because I also have men who come to me and say they just wouldn't consider going all that distance and then going by themselves and you know to a country where they don't speak the language and they don't know the culture. So 
this idea that um, there's a lot of fear and I can't, the, the thought that I can't do it by myself. I don't have the courage. I, I don't have what it takes to be able to walk the Camino by myself, or I don't have the courage to take a step in the direction of what I love to do or what, what my dreams are. It was, that was really what kind of got me thinking around um, what is it that I can offer in terms of my own experiences and lessons that I have learned from walking alone to support these pilgrims on their journey and i couldn't have walked from rome to jerusalem without a safety net if i didn't hold a certain set of beliefs if i didn't see the world in a certain way if i didn't uh, think a certain way or didn't try to um, approach the world from a certain perspective um, all of what I talk about, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, these are all elements that make up who we are as individuals. We carry all of that with us, no matter where we walk, whether we're walking on a sacred path or whether we're walking life. And so for me, um, my attempt in writing this book was to offer some guidelines, some insights on how you can prepare to prepare mentally, prepare emotionally, spiritually, so that you can walk um, in life, in curiosity of the world, rather than in fear of the world. Yeah. And those are very different energies, you know? Yeah. But, but, but why are we frightened, though? Why are we frightened of being alone? I think we're afraid of the unknown. I think we're, we are so accustomed to our plans, yeah. to making our plans and the agendas, because control gives us a sense of security. We think we know what we can expect. And so we make our plans. And anyone who's a lot of people, I mean, myself included, who go on pilgrimage think, okay, I've got it all this figured out. I know where I'm going to stay, how I'm going to get there. Every every step is almost planned out. And then the Camino throws you a curve. Well, then what do you do? What if you do if your luggage gets lost? You know, what do you do if your reservation is not is not, is not booked? Or you miss a flight or you miss a connection? What do you do then? What happens to your plans? Yeah, so I think the fear comes from this desire to and the need to control every step because we also don't trust ourselves. We don't trust that we can figure it all out as we're walking. We don't believe that we're supported in life. We believe we're all alone and that we have to figure it out by, by ourselves. And, oh, my God, I've never been in this situation. I don't think I can. So the fear kicks in. Yeah. We think we walk. You know, there's so many things. You know, you think... Nobody will support me. I'm, you know, uh, people, your beliefs, your beliefs about the world that you live in very much influence your pilgrimage. You know, if you feel that people are good, well, you're more apt to have more positive experiences. But if you feel that the world is a negative place and everybody's out to get you and you have to watch out and you can't trust anyone, there's a good chance those are going to be your experiences too. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so true. Yeah, that's... That is 100% correct. But if, but if someone, Moni, is listening and there's somebody who perhaps for years has told others and themselves that they don't like their own company, that they're not happy to be alone, what's something they can do to kind of reacquaint themselves with themselves, if that makes sense? What's something yeah, tangible they can question. do? Yeah. Well, you know, um, being with ourselves is sometimes a lot more difficult than we imagine. Because oftentimes we fill up 
the space and the time that we have with noise. We fill it up with people. We fill it up with tasks so that we don't have to go inwards to really listen to what we have to say, what our inner selves have to say to us. And, you know, for me, it's oftentimes as simple as sitting, if you can, in silence and listening to the sound of your breath, breathing, starting off by breathing deeply, as deeply as you can, and then letting that go out slowly. The breath is not only obviously a, a powerful instrument for keeping you alive, but the breath also focuses your attention on what is going on inside of you. It brings you inwards. And if you're able at the same time to appreciate that this breath carries the life force, carries the love, carries all the nourishment that you need to stay alive and to be alive in this world, it begins the process of you feeling good about where you are and who you are. Just as simple as that, that is at the most basic level yeah. to begin just by breathing and looking into that and give thanks for this breath. If nothing else, you're breathing and you're saying thank you because you're alive. Yeah, yeah. So simple. Such so a, simple. Simple, a simple way to start the process. I love that. Yeah. And you say the key to walking alone, and I know that you don't just mean on the Camino, but indeed in life. You say that the key to walking alone is having the courage to look beyond the physical and to delve into yeah. the workings of our inner world, mind, emotions, spirit, so that we can better understand ourselves and walk in confidence and curiosity of the world rather than in fear of it. So while I was, yeah. while I was writing, I was typing that into my computer, a little thing, a little, you know, a little notification came up. Somebody's posted something on Facebook and I, I clicked on it and it was a quote from John Lennon. It was just two worlds colliding, Moni. I couldn't believe it because he said, there are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we are afraid, we pull back from life. When we are in love, we open to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement and acceptance. We need to learn to love ourselves first in all our glory and in our imperfections. If we cannot love ourselves, we cannot fully open to our ability to love others or our potential to create. And he says, evolution and all hopes for a better world rest in the fearlessness and open-hearted vision of people who embrace life. So my question to you, Moni Vajaji, loving ourselves is a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that is truly the life journey. You know, when I say to people, begin with the breath and start breathing inwards and give thanks for the life that you have concurrent with that i i'd love to say to people if you have the courage to begin to say to yourself with each breath for example as i'm breathing in i say moni i love you just as you are with all of your perceived failings and failures and doubts and fears it doesn't matter i love you and the first few times I did that for my own self, I actually started to cry because I thought, oh my God, how this much love for one person, me loving myself, it's, it's almost too much to bear. Yeah. But if we can't begin to say to ourselves, I love you, I love you just as you are, 
we cannot hope to truly be able to open our hearts to the grandness and to the magnificence and to the beauty and grace that exists there so that we can offer it to the world. The true journey, which is really what I talk about in Walking Alone, is that journey towards that inner journey, towards loving and embracing and knowing ourselves so that we may walk in confidence in, in the world and in love with hearts open rather than hearts closed. So yeah, self-love is the ultimate journey. I wrote a song on the Camino, Moni, while I was there in, in September. And one of the lines is, and you, this is ex- extraordinary that you just said that, one of the lines is, a lion's heart, an opening heart. Ooh. And that's one of the lines that you just said. Yeah. And when I go through the list of pilgrims I've interviewed over the last 12 months, many were people who stepped out of their comfort zone. So that even making the decision to go, their friends and family thought, you're crazy. And indeed, a lot of their friends and family said, you won't do it. You can't yeah. do it. But what about... What do you, would you say to somebody listening who's now listening to, to, to what you've said and they're saying, you know what, it, it is for me. I'm going to go to, and do it. Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to start to think of myself in ways that's going to allow me to do it. What can yeah. they expect to discover about themselves, do you think? What, what would you say that they can expect to find? I think, you know, it takes a great deal of courage to follow your dreams. And it's amazing what happens when you are able to put your own needs and desires and your heart first before anyone else. And that's a very difficult step for many people because we are often taught and raised to believe that it's when we give to others. We're always putting others in front of us, being, you know, everybody else matters except myself. It's okay, I can hold on. I don't need as much. I'm okay. Others need it more than me. Others, you know, are worse off than me. But the greatest act of self-love truly is to honor who we are and to pay attention to our own needs and our own desires. And it's funny how when we have dreams such as walking the Camino or embarking on any kind of uh, dream or passion that we have, it brings out other people's fears. And other people, despite their best intentions, are trying to kind of hold us back rather than lift us up. You would think that oftentimes our families and our friends, the ones who love us, would be the ones to most want to see us move forward. And my experience has been that oftentimes those are the very people that because of their own fears and their own insecurities and their own doubts, they want us back where they are comfortable having us. And so the greatest advice that I give to people is to say, because this is something that comes up in my in my presentations and in my talks of people, is that we have to allow with great love and with great patience, we must allow others to walk their path while with great love and patience we walk our own mm-hmm. yeah. we don't let we let people go it's not with anger it's not with any kind of resentment but with a great love and great compassion and great understanding that says they obviously have a path to walk that at this moment doesn't include me but i need to honor who i am And I can't be small again and fit back into what their fears are so that they're comfortable. I need to honor this calling and I must follow it through as a true act of self-love. That is self-love because there is something calling you to that place of walking. There is something that is pulling you there and you, you have to listen to that. 
This is your soul's calling. This is your heart's desire saying, go here. And in that process of going there, you will discover what you need to be able to continue in your life's journey. But for now, you must allow others to go on their path, again, with great love, but with great love and determination, continue on your own path. What about, Moni, what about when you come home after the Camino? It's often said that that's when your Camino begins. That's, mm-hmm. That can sometimes be the hard work, can't it, when you get home? Yeah, you know, um, I can certainly tell you that was my case, and that's certainly the case of many pilgrims that I speak with. You know, we all come home and we're full, like we feel like we've just had this huge transcending, transcendental almost experience, and we want to tell everybody about it. We want to tell everybody our stories, every little thing that happened. And for the first little while, you know, people listen, but after a while, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, there she goes again with one more of her Camino stories. <laughs> I know, and, that is so true. I've got to say, Moni, just to interrupt you, that's why I do this podcast, because it gives me an excuse to talk about the Camino every week. Sorry, go on. Our, our journey when we get home, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that. And, you know, again, we want people to, to embrace this shift. And a lot of times the shift that's happened within us, we don't know exactly what's fully happened either. And we need time to kind of digest what's happened. And we find ourselves kind of thrust back into our old lives and going back into our old jobs and our old routines and not really fully understanding what has just happened to us. And so we go, we make plans to go back on the Camino again because we think, okay, life is, this is where I am, who I am. I'm back on the Camino and I'll walk again and I'll be connected again. And I think that's wonderful. Um, but I think a, a big part of what, what's missed sometimes is that the purpose of pilgrimage is not merely to escape the life that you have. The purpose of pilgrimage is to put like a parenthesis around the life that you left behind and to go on this journey to be able to go inside of yourself and gather the forces that you need, the energies, the courage, the love, all that you need. And the Camino is very powerful for that because the Camino is a very generous, very loving platform or place for you to get and gather all the energy that you need so that you can go back and bring that with you into the life that you have. It's not to escape life. It's to kind of recharge your batteries so that you can go back and bring all that energy with you into the life that you have. And if that means that you have to make changes in your life as a result of that, well, then so be it. Because what the Camino does is that it brings you to an authentic place. It really does. And you want to bring that authenticity back into your life. And if you start doing things that are just not in resonance with that authenticity that you discovered, that's where the disconnect happens. That's where you start to feel, you know, the post-Camino blues. You start to feel the, I'm lost, I'm not happy, I'm not satisfied. It's because you connected with something authentic during your pilgrimage, and you can't take that back. You can't step back from that. And so you bring that back, it comes back with you to your everyday life, and it's nagging at you to say, hey, you were authentic there, be authentic here. Do whatever it takes to be in resonance and in alignment with the highest within you. Whatever that means now, do that. Wow. That's, that's what I find happens. That's a fantastic answer. You're obviously a very spiritual person. So is it a full-time job? Do you have to maintain a kind of spiritual fitness? Like a, <laughs> like a marathon runner has to clock up miles, Moni? I mean, yeah. it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy, I imagine. No, it's not. You know, it's... Uh, but I, this is this is one of those things. What um, being a pilgrim in life for me, anyways, 
for me means taking the time every single day to connect with spirit, no matter what that means to, to each of your listeners. For me, I find that through gentle, I, you know, I walk, I, I don't do the kind of walking that I used to do before, but I do gentle walking. Yoga for me is huge in the sense that yoga is my moving meditation. It's my way of connecting with the breath, aligning movement with breath. And I sit down and I, I meditate. And meditation for me these days is actually listening to the sound of the breath and expanding the breath within me as much as I can. So for me, it's it does begin with dedicating time. And for me, it's every morning. As soon as our daughter walks out the door to go to school, I sit down, I put on my yoga, I do my practice, and I do my meditation. That's my everyday, that's, that's my commitment every day to this practice. And I find doing that every day keeps me in a place where I can then bring that consciousness, if you will, um, that tranquility, that love, that perspective into my world, into the meetings that I have, into the interactions that I have, into what I write and what I create. And so, yeah, it's making the commitment to dedicate a part of your day a little bit. I don't like, I'm not there for hours, eh? I like my yoga is 20 minutes, half an hour, and I meditate for maybe 10, 15. That's it. Yeah, yeah, but you maintain the fitness. I do, but fitness for me right now is all about flexibility and resilience. Yeah. And I find that a very powerful metaphor for being in life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, when you walked your first Camino back in 2000, you, I read, you, you continuously said to yourself, peace begins within and we've talked about it already but it was also because you'd come from war-torn Lebanon so mm -hmm. how much do you think has your history in Lebanon contributed to your desire for peace yeah that's a that's a really great question it's funny today I just finished giving uh, a talk about why I believe peace begins within and why peace um, within is the key to having peace in the outer world and yeah of course you know growing up in a in a Lebanese household um, influenced my influenced what I believe about peace and and how I see the world and for the longest time you know when I grew up you know I watched the news and I didn't give any thought to this whole idea that you know if there's there can be no if there's no peace there's there's no justice there's no peace that's what it was no justice no peace and and I really didn't question any of those thoughts or these ideas um, but as I began to go through my own kind of spiritual quests, I, I started to really ask the bigger questions, you know, what is peace? You know, what does it really mean? And what does it mean to be peace in this world? And what does it what does justice really mean? And, you know, I came to appreciate that, um, you know, I thought that peace was just the absence of violence. That's what I thought peace was. There's no violence, so we have peace. And on the one hand, yes, there is that. But peace, I've come to appreciate, means being in, in a state of harmony with myself, being in harmony with the world around me, being in harmony with this universe in which we live. And that's a state that I can maintain um, and that many people can maintain that's independent of their external situation. Because, you know, there are very peaceful people and individuals who are filled with calm in the most con conflict-filled environments. And then there are those who are living in perfectly peaceful environments, and they're filled with rage and anger and violence. So the outside, the peace that we are trying to create in this world begins with the choice. And sometimes it's not an easy one of each one to look within and to look at what it is that you need to do to be 
to create peace in your heart, whether it's peace with your neighbor, peace with someone who has hurt you, begin that journey inwards so that you may, may be able to bring that peace out into the world. That really, and that is a conversation that, you know, um, with, you know, my father is Lebanese, obviously, and he listens to the news every day, and he's telling me all the things that are going on in the region and who's doing what to who, and, and it's easy to be pulled into that dynamic, because what that does is that disempowers you right away. You think, oh my God, the situation is so bad, there is not one thing I can do about it. <laughs> what can one person do? But if you get pulled into that, then you have lost your power. True power comes from keeping yourself exactly in your place of peace. Even if you don't say a word. And now with my father, God, I love my father dearly. I allow him to speak, but I stay where I am. I stay in my belief that peace begins with me. And I breathe into that. And I allow that to go out and penetrate into, into what it is, into the conversation that's happening. That's what it is. Yeah. And I find words. I find the words. When I'm what I can stay calm, I can then find the words that bring a sense of reconciliation and that bridges where I am and where he is. You it know, begins with yeah. that. You know, I want to ask you something. What, when you walked in 2000, mm -hmm. what, what would you tell the young woman who was embarking on that journey of peace and freedom? What advice would you give yourself if you could whisper in your ear back in 2000? <laughs> you know, I would whisper in her ears, love is walking with you. Trust, you're okay. Everything that you need, you will receive. And every fear that you have will be dissolved in every step that you take on this path of peace. Stay steadfast in your journey. Keep your heart open and allow this path of peace to guide your steps. It won't ever fail you because you are deeply, deeply loved. You say, I've got goosebumps. You say the peace we seek in our world cannot appear until its flame, <clears throat> pardon me, its flame is first lit in our hearts. So I'll say that again. The peace we seek in the world cannot appear until its flame is first lit in our hearts. And flame is a lovely image I set on the Camino this year in one of my daily Facebook posts. We were a Camino family walking our souls dancing like flames. And mm. you say it's a divine force that whispers gently but insistently coaxing us ever deeper into the dark recesses of our souls, shedding its healing light and liberating us from our fears. Is that mm. enlightenment available to everyone, Moni? Oh gosh, yes. I mean, I'm not unique in this. I'm not unique in the, my desire or in my determination uh, to, to come to this place of clarity. I'm, I'm just one individual like so many who made a decision and stuck with that decision. And I'm, I'm, again, I say I'm not unique in my determination to do that. Um, there are so many, and perhaps they're not you know, in the world news, but there are so many individuals who every single day and every single moment are making choices. And we don't think they're big choices. You know, we make the small choices every single day, whether it's to show an act, to, a random act of kindness towards someone, uh, to pay it forward in some way, to open a door for someone, um, to help someone in need. 
need in some way. We think these acts of compassion are no big deal, but they are a big deal. And they are, in, they are happening every single day in every single moment by so many individuals who are making these choices. We keep thinking that peace is just going to be some magic wand that somebody waves and says, boom, there you go, world peace. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not that. I mean, my experience, of course, you know, politicians have their role. World leaders, individuals with power have their role to play. But truly, it is in individuals, each one of us, every single day, every single moment, making the decision to act from this place of kindness, from a place of compassion, from a place of building a bridge rather than building a wall. These are moment-by-moment decisions that we can all make. We're all surrounded by people who have ideas and cultural viewpoints that are very distinct from our own. We can very easily reach out and have a coffee or get to know someone whose ideas are so different from our own and just listen and see what we can learn from their viewpoint. We believe that, you know, sometimes we get so so caught up in our own way of thinking, it becomes very insular. And it's very easy to stay there. But I really believe that peace comes from the ability to open our hearts and to be able to listen and to make connections and to, as I said, to build bridges rather than to build walls. So, yeah, yeah everyone Yes, yeah. and everybody can do it. But I think it's really interesting what you said there, uh, that the moment-by-moment moment choices. And it, it, I guess, Modi, it, it, we think that that's going to take great courage to do that, mm-hmm. to do those moment-by-moment moment things. But in actual fact... It gives us courage, doesn't it? It does. That's a great way of saying it, Dan. You know, when we do these little things, it gives us the courage to keep doing it again. Yeah. And to do it, I really do believe that one act of kindness is so much more powerful than maybe one act of things where we didn't, act, one small act where we perhaps didn't choose from this place of compassion. I believe one act of love has a lot farther repercussions than one small act of fear. I really do. We do one good act. We feel we come up, we come to this world trying to do our best and from our highest place. And that to me is multiplied much more quickly than any small thing we may have done that has been from fear. I really do. And there are many people around the world doing that. They just don't believe that it makes any difference. They just look at the world's problems and they go, oh my God, these are huge problems. I'm And I'm a nobody. And you know, what's the point? But that is the point is that you be that point of light you be that lighthouse that is blazing that light whose flame is burning so brightly that it brings out that that casts out the darkness all around it you are here to be that flame and if every one of us just commits to being that no matter what's happening on the outside that is what creates the shift outside in our world this is where it begins. It begins with each one of us making that choice, that conscious choice to be a light in the world, to be peace in the world, to be the light bringer in the world, no matter what is happening outside. That is our ultimate power. No one can take that away from us. No one can take away how I choose to think. No one can tell me what to think. No one can tell me what to believe. That is my choice. And that's why it's a moment-by-moment decision. That's where true power comes from. And courage. 
That's outstanding. I could talk to you for days, Moni. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so lovely to talk to you. We're running out of time. And I think one of the things that I wanted to mention was meditation is very, very important. I've said many times that walking the Camino is a trance-like, you know, Mm. particularly the Masetta, uh, when you find yourself out there in in the kind of the wilderness on your own. I mean, it's Mm. just so magic. It's just, and it's, it's, it's about finding our inner self isn't it if we could wrap it all up finding our inner self and saying hey you know what you're okay yeah you're okay you're not alone um your body can carry you because you are also being carried you know i kept telling my body so many times when we were walking to jerusalem oh my god my feet i love you so much (laughs) my feet i love you so much legs thank you for carrying me one more step lungs heart arms everything oh my god i love you so much i kept pouring so much love into my own body so that it would carry me one more step and your body responds to all of that But remember, your body is one aspect of what is walking, but walking with you, alongside you, is also a great love that will also carry you when you don't think your feet can carry you forward. So lean on that. Lean on that too. Yeah, that's the support. Moni, you are indeed a pilgrim on the path and in life. I very much enjoyed talking with you. It's been fantastic. As have I, Dan. Thank you so much for, you know, the time and for your very insightful questions i so appreciated this time with you no, it, it, you know i'll say again i have a soft spot for canadians some of whom <laughs> have contributed enormously to richness in my life so oh. thank you for your time and, and perhaps our paths will cross one day i have no doubt that one day it shall because i love australia and it is on my and alberto's list of places to visit and enjoy in this world so you never know I look forward to the day we meet. I've got a feeling it'll be quite fiery and and exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise. Thank you so much, Dan. You're welcome, Moni. Buen Camino. Buen Camino to you. Moni DeJoje there, author of Walking Alone. The book, Walking Alone, is available as an e-book and as a paperback. And you can learn more about what Moni and her partner Alberto do via www.walkingforpeace.com. Com, walkingforpeace.com and I'm just looking for something here because Moni also does uh, the Pilgrim Story Hour a webcast of Pilgrim Stories called the Pilgrim Story Hour and you can find that on Facebook or on YouTube and she also wrote or co-wrote with her partner Alberto Walking for Peace, an inner journey Moni DeJoje there my guest this week, as I often say I have the best job in the world thank you for your support The download figures are through the roof. I'm humbled and very proud. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, just go to the podcast icon on your phone, type in My Camino, the podcast, and hit subscribe. You'll receive the latest episode each Tuesday night in Australia, Tuesday morning in the Northern Hemisphere. So thanks again for your support. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Buen Camino.